This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is Brian Reisman. Welcome to Side Jams, a proud member of the Pantheon Podcast Network. If you like what you hear, please feel free to check out other episodes and subscribe to keep up with the latest ones. In a professional career spanning nearly 55 years, singer-songwriter Dave Mason has experienced a lifetime of musical adventures. He was a co-founding member of the legendary band Traffic when he was only 18 years old. He recorded two albums with them before embarking on his solo career. That's included recording with Mama Cass, Jimi Hendrix, George Harrison, Michael Jackson, the Rolling Stones, Fleetwood Mac, and many other classic rock and pop icons. You likely know his big hits, Feeling Alright, and We Just Disagree. He's also been inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Dave's latest album, Alone Together Again, revisits his gold-selling solo debut from 1970 with fresh recordings and a reggae twist on the song World and Changes. On top of his musical forays, Dave co-founded and helps run a five-year-old charity called Rock Our Vets that assists men in uniform, military, police, and firefighters, and he also enjoys working on home improvements. For this episode of Side Jams, we discussed when and why he co-founded the charity, how he has developed and runs it, lessons he has learned in the process, as well as what inspires him about working on houses. We Skype while he was relaxing at home in Hawaii, which is certainly a nice place to be hanging out during our quarantine days. Thanks for taking the time to chat. I'm checking out sort of the new, well, the sort of revised original album. Okay. Which is cool. It's interesting because, well, a lot of the, I mean, well, I know that World and Changes has that reggae shift now, which is a little different. Um, Yeah, I suppose. I suppose you can call it a reggae shift. (laughs) (laughs) It's interesting, so I was thinking, oh, he sort of, he kept a lot of the same arrangements, but then it occurred to me, honestly, that, you know, you're emotionally, you're in a different space than you were 50 years ago. So I imagine it must have been really interesting to sing those songs again. Yeah, I mean, well, <laughs> look at you, look at me, shouldn't it took more than you gave, only you know and I know. The original arrangement of World in Changes, which you can get, by the way, um, as a free download. Um, yeah. I mean, I've been doing those on, they've been in my shows for 50 years on and off. So wow. I've been playing them live one way or another. <laughs> they've always been there. Well, obviously, I mean, they hold more. up. They, you know, shouldn't have took more than you gave. Look at you, look at me. World in Changes, it could have, you know, that could have been written yesterday. So they're somewhat timeless themes, yep. uh, which is, what I have always tried to write in any way. You know, I was checking out uh, the quarantines version of Feeling All Right, you know. And, ah, uh, yeah, yeah, that was I fun. Love, I love how there's Mick Fleetwood, Michael McDonald, you, and then Sammy Hagar. <laughs> and, and all three Doobie Brothers. 
it's interesting. Well, Sammy's the one that sort of stands out the most. But then again, it's like, yeah, he was in Montrose in the early 70s. So it's still the same generation. He's older than people think, actually. I guess. I don't know. I don't think in those terms. I don't think cool. in terms. I don't think in terms of that there are old songs that are either good songs or they're not. And good songs, good music will it will always be playable, you know. I mean, I was just going through an interview with somebody who was asking me what you know, what would be the biggest surprise of people to know that you have in your playlist? And I was trying to think and I go, Well, where which one am I gonna go with? So I said, Well, let's say I got Sinatra's in there, Glenn Miller's in there. <laughs> yeah. Dave Brubeck's in there, Eddie Cochran's in there, Doris Troy's in there, you know. So I have a pretty eclectic music taste. I mean, you know. It's cool. My podcast, I talk about people's music, but I'm also discuss their their hobbies and their outside passions. Outside <laughs> music. And I know I know a big thing for you, a big thing for you is wellness. Well, also- I mean, yeah, I, I, that's just in general terms, you know. I mean, at, at 74, yes. <laughs> and my wife has a yoga program she does, which she's been building a bunch of stuff that's about ready to go online here soon. So that's that's kind of cool. That's cool. When they said, well, you want to talk about what your hobby is? And I was like, oh, God, my hobby became my profession, basically. The only other basic side thing other than, you know, remodeling houses or my charity for vets and um, uniform services. Pretty much the only outside things that I actually um, don't make model airplanes anymore. <laughs> yeah, so if you get older, I'm a writer and the arthritis is fully starting to kick in. So it's like, uh, I can't do that. The only other thing I guess would be, you know, I'm the cook in the house. So that's my hobby and my job, I guess. <laughs> Your thing for vets, I thought it was dealing with the people who are recovering addicts too, people who are going through difficulty in life and you were trying oh, to help. No, 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 that's that. That my wife was was doing that with okay. a program that she had some time ago, but doesn't do that anymore. On my own, the other one is my, uh, the, but that's more of a charity. For, I'm more involved in it when I'm on the road. Is is RockRVets.org, which is for veterans. Please tell me about it. I'm curious. Just myself and a good friend for many years, Ted Knapp, who lives in New Jersey. You know, we do our little bit for for the vets but also for all uniform services law enforcement firemen yeah but it was just a small organization it's just all volunteer so everything that we get goes where it's supposed to go not just you know some of it peeling off to pay salaries and stuff so we pretty much take care of everything but it's not just a question of money anyway people they need things if anybody wants to go look up rockervets.org I mean, please, they, they need, you know, whatever. If you've got a spare com- old computer, old clothes, old cars, old, just things. They need things. So we try to facilitate that. Try to facilitate basically helping people stand on their own two feet, I guess. When did you start the charity? Well, we started it, God, probably this. We started about five years ago. And then we were with, uh, both of us were with one prior to that which goes back probably 10, 15 years. So I've been doing it. I mean, and I'm, you know, I'm the son of a father that was born in 1894, for God's sake, fought in the First World War. Wow. My brother was, half-brother was driving tanks in North Africa in the Second World War. So it's very close. I mean, I'm a 1946 baby. 
so it's 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 a big part for me and like i say that this you know i'm not counting any party affiliation whatsoever it's not a political issue both are bad as each other in the way they've taken care of the vets mm-hmm. here in this country otherwise we wouldn't exist and neither would the other charities that, that exist so i think that the way they're taken care of is abominable it's you know yeah so we exist along with the rest of the others to try and fill in those gaps i guess um and happy to do it what, what mistakes have i guess have you learned from other places that then you can apply to this to make it a better organization well i don't know we, we, you know, like I said, we're just small. There are a lot of charities. There are charities around, but there is where, let's say, the money ain't going where it's supposed to go. A lot of it. Yeah. Um, we wanted to make sure that we were not in that category. But the, like I said, we're not a large organization. We're just basically myself and Ted. And then there's, we have some other musicians that are involved. My biggest role, I guess, is when I'm on the road, which is what I can't do now. And we'll talk about it. We'll maybe auction off some guitars or something. Um, yeah. Do a meet and greet with people. So we try to raise funds that way. But every one thing I'm got, you know, proud about is that, that we, you know, other than maybe some stationery or just, you know, basic stuff, if there's money involved, it goes, it, it goes where it's meant to go to. And we, you know, we vet the vets. So mm. people may apply, but we vet the people that apply so that we're sure that that's on the up and up too. <laughs> so, you're checking, so you're checking on both sides, which is good. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, there's a cynicism with a lot of the public. Like you'll have these celebrity telethons or whatever. People raise money for something. They don't know where it goes. But then you have the same problem in Washington, where you have tax money supposedly going to certain things. I mean, I know that <laughs> Walter Reed yeah, was right. always was, was a big hospital was a big point of contention, particularly right. in the la- in the last decade. Like I say, they they it, it it's sad that they they're dealt with the way they've been dealt with. You know, it should be a priority, and it's not. So I think it's rather it's a blemish to me. <laughs> It's not, you know, it's, it's a society that should take care of those people. Did your father ever talk about, like, what it was like when they came back? It was World War One. Did they talk about how they, they were treated then as opposed to how we treated them later on, say, post-Vietnam and stuff like that? No, back then, God, you know. My dad's born from the era of when they were probably still coming over here in covered wagons. Dad's <laughs> <laughs> right out of the Victorian era, you know. <laughs> I can't even imagine the- that now. We're man and the sheep were scared. <laughs> no. so, I mean, World uh, War Two. Obviously, at the end of World War Two, that's when they had the first plan. I mean, I grew, I live in Long Island, so I'm near Levittown, the first planned suburb, I think, in America. Uh, uh, and then they had right. the GI Bill, and a lot of GIs went to college. Right. Um, it seems different now, where a lot of people join, go to get their college paid for by joining ROTC and things like that. It's a little different. Right. So you just say you deal with it when you're on the roads. So is that is that money you raise at concerts then, the live events that yeah. you're doing? Yeah, yeah. So I try to raise, you know, try to raise some money for it. I get a, you know, you get a lot, you get different reactions from people. You know, some people are amazingly, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, some people have a, to me, an odd reaction about people who join the military. Um, yeah. You get a little 
go too far on the on you know well it's their fault they did it you know what they're and killing people and and it's yeah. like i just it's like no you're not quite getting this properly you know it's it's so you, you get different reactions from people, but by and large, most people are, you know, but then there are a lot of people who just are happy to step up and help out. So we live in very polarizing times, you know, and it's gone beyond we just oh, disagree. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I'm thinking about your song <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, that's taking on a different tone these days. <laughs> yeah, well, it's gotten a little out of hand. Now getting back to your to charity, so people, so you raise money sort of separately from the, the ticket prices of the shows, like people add extra money, like pay extra money. Like no, no, I don't do. I don't do it off the ticket prices at all. I just, we just purely, <laughs> we just do it through uh, what we do through the internet, through what Ted does. We, I mean, we have some other musicians that have participated with us in this, but mostly I do it just from, uh, you know, like a guitar or something on auction off. Right. Uh, is, is how I would do it. We raise awareness at your concert too, obviously. You let people yeah. know what's going on. I certainly try to. Yes. Do you raise any money at the concerts? Like, you know, like Broadway does this thing a couple of times a year called Broadway Cares Equity Fights AIDS. And so after like once a, two separate weeks, they collect money at the end of the show. They let people know what they're raising <laughs> money for, for AIDS and for homelessness and everything else. And then they people usually leave some money. Do you ever do you, do you ever do that at shows? No, I haven't done that. But that's a good. But I think about that one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's nice to see when how much money you can raise for certain things even now during difficult times and you know, people are trying to even trying to support businesses like local restaurants you know like people are you know trying to save money at the same time there's also certain absolutely costs to give there's a the little part of the um of the dave in the quarantines video feeling it with feeling all right yeah um i do have that component at the end of it for music to donate uh hopefully people go donate to music cares which is a great organization which um over the years, I've helped a couple of musicians that I've had in my bands. Mm-hmm. Uh, and during this COVID period, I mean, they actually had run out of um, funds completely. Wow. Help people. So I put that little piece for, for Music Cares on the end of the uh, of the video. Hopefully people go donate a little something. What's been the most rewarding moment working with your charity? We've actually helped two or three different people. I get their own businesses started at one point. One was a farm. Uh, Somebody else was an office cleaning service. And then uh, a couple of people got set up with boats for fishing. Oh, wow. Farm in particular is a lot of work. Yeah, yeah. But that's the highlight. Because the main goal is is to get people to a point where they want, they can stand on their own two feet. I mean, I guess our our motto is that we we're into giving a hand up, not handouts. Well, it's a self esteem thing. I think John Bon Jovi's talked about the same thing with the the charity he has and the food bank he has, the restaurant he has in Jersey. The fact that they want to help people, they also want to, and some people end up volunteering there too. You know, who actually need food, they actually volunteer and then they get rewarded with you know with meals. And he says he wants to. The whole idea is to give people self esteem and not feel like they're what yeah, you're saying, getting getting a handout, the- but they're giving them the boost that they need to feel like they're doing something also. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it's important for people to feel, for somebody to feel worthwhile for themselves. You need, you know, know you can take care of yourself. Yeah. yeah Soul right. Kitchen, that was, that was John's thing, Soul Kitchen, which he actually does wash dishes occasionally and promotes. Now, you also mentioned, you talked about home building or like, do you like home improvements? Is that something? Oh. 
Is that, <laughs> I see this nice, you're in Hawaii, I see this nice tropical background there on the porch outside, and I'm thinking like, I mean, I, I guess you have extra time right now to do stuff like that. Have you been doing anything like that recently? Uh, not recently. We did the last, <laughs> rem- <laughs> I've remodeled three houses in in the last 10 years. Really? So. What, what this, kind of a process does that involve? Well, money for one thing. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> money for one thing and finding the right people and, and the patience to go through it. You know, this place. I mean, I did a lot of remodeling here on this house. That looks nice. Uh, from when we bought it four years ago. But yeah, I did. There's a lot of stuff. The pool, there's a pool out there now. But a lot of things. There's a lot of. A, a lot of small stuff that got done here. And then the house we just, prior to, that was another big remodel. And then when I lived in California, had a huge remodel on a house there. I should have just, I should have just torn it down and just built a new one, frankly. For <laughs> so why didn't you then? What is, but how long did that take and what is- Because I didn't know, that was the first, that was the first <laughs> one. That's about, it's about 15 years ago, but yeah. I could just torn the damn thing down and built a new one. Right, but you're happy with the way it came out? Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, I should have been doing this years and years ago. I mean, we're good at My wife, Winifred, and I are really are pretty good at it. We argue a lot and fight a lot over stuff. That's a you bonding know. experience for your marriage. <laughs> you know, you, you, get, you get to fight over doorknobs <laughs> and light switches. <laughs> How long on average then does it actually take you to do one of these remodelings? Like how many how many months or years is involved? It varies. Um, this place has probably been remodeled slowly over the last three years. Is it you have a plan out front? You keep finding little things and go, oh, you know, I better do this or I got to do this. Well, no. Well, first of all, coming in here was just there were certain things, windows, doors, fixtures yeah. that immediately you're like, OK, that's got to go. <laughs> and repaint the whole place for one thing. You're going to do that. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it, it, it's, uh, I mean, I like doing it. I like building things. So what was the biggest challenge in your house? What was the most challenging aspect of improving your house? This, I guess, was the, uh, the biggest challenge was when they, the, when they built the pool, a lot of it we weren't here for. We were, I was on the road. We weren't here. And then when it came back, Thank God we came back when we came back because I found that what they that the company had been digging out the ground mm-hmm. and plowed through uh, one water main pipe and one drainage system. Yikes. <laughs> so I had to replace all that. You know, I wasn't here paying attention. But you'd think that a company would, would, be, would, would know to do that, but evidently not. I find it so, about that. <laughs> well, what about what about you? What about you personally, like something you actually worked on? Is there anything you actually worked on that you found to be a real challenge inside the house? Me? Do I yeah. personally work on? God yeah. no. I'll just point it out. I need that done. <laughs> I'm not good at doing. I'm not. That's. I'm not good at that. What was the biggest thing that you wanted to change in your house? Something that you felt really needed to be fixed or switched? There's nothing really big. The biggest stuff here was was building a pool because there's a lot of rock here. You're you're on lava. I mean, you're you're basically sitting on a bedrock of blue rock here. How how close to a volcano are you? Well, is right behind us. <laughs> oh wow! You got to be careful. We go about fifteen ten miles up the road here. And we take you up to the lot. You go up to the lava fields. 
they say it's a dormant uh, volcano here on Maui. But, you know, <laughs> <laughs> you never know. You, you never know. <laughs> you want to be careful when you're doing stuff with hammers and everything, nails and everything else or saws because you also have to play guitar. So what I, I'm, not, I'm not doing any of that. That's why we're not doing any of it. I get a, I get enough little damage here, just putzing around without, you know, getting involved building. So it's more of the planning side of everything. I'm just more the here's it's a vision. It's here's what I need done. Here's what we should I need to do here. You know, rip out these walls and, and let's put in some sliding glass doors here. Things like that. Which is a different I mean, type of creativity from music, obviously. It's a different way of looking at things. Yeah. Yeah, I mean it is. I'm just, I'm just sort of they're just the leftovers from my childhood days, building lots of model airplanes. How long did you build airplanes for as a kid? Oh God, ages. I always wondered about the model ship thing when people build a model ship in a bottle. Did you ever try that? I never. Understood. No, no, no. I never tried that one. <laughs> I think I model airplanes that. were probably bigger when you were a kid too, because it was less computers and other technology. Like that was a real physical thing to do. Did you just like? Did you like the physical aspect of putting everything together? Yeah, yeah. I like the building of it. Just like putting, you know, building things. I like. I guess I look at a lot of stuff. I do that way. I like. I guess. I like to leave things in a better place than I found them. That's a great way to put it. So you can apply that to music and building and charity. To everything, pretty much, yeah. That's cool. The other charity you said your wife was involved in, how long did she, was she involved in that? She had a thing called Yoga Blue for a while, and she was working with, um, when I lived in California, she was working with a, uh, a group of people in Ventura, recovering women, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, and she did that for a while. But I think that part of that was it just got a little, I think for her it was, it was great. But, but the stories and getting so close to that much damage was a little more than she could handle, I think, emotionally. You were, with, you were talking about being like recovering alcoholics or? Right, right. And just not, not alcoholic, but some of these, I guess, women are just heroin addicts or whatever, just. And she was doing that for in recovery. Now she's been more, she's more moved into a restorative yoga, more things like for you know stiff old white guys like me, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and has it helped you? <laughs> um, yeah, when I do it. it <laughs> but she's more into that. I think more into just generally helping people that that. Not what's my, the word I'm looking for, not um, yoga, um, just how to help people through yoga who may not be totally drawn into yoga or the practice of it. But I think she's trying more to get people involved in that end of it, just to, just movement. I mean, it's just, uh, you know, it's, it's something that everybody I've at this point in my life at 74 is to say, you know, I wish I would have engaged myself in this years ago because you get older it just you know things start to don't move quite so easily anymore and whilst i'm over here with all this time off and you know for me it's a question of um trying to get more engaged in that and and work on some things and try and work out some of these kinks that have developed as best i can yeah 
Well, it'd be good my, for touring. That's my little hobby. That'd be my hobby at this point. Okay? Restore, restoring yourself <laughs> and a little literal self improvement. Exactly. Yeah. So there. So when you get back on the road, are there any are there any songs uh, you? you I mean, there'll be certain songs you're always going to play, but are there any songs you'd like to bring back? Well, I, there, there's some songs off my other albums that I haven't that have not been in the set for for some time. So I I I think I probably will will look at that. Then there's, uh, you know, I also have some traffic stuff that I introduce into the set, some of which are totally different. Like I have a, what I think is pretty cool version of, I have a very cool blues version of Low Spark, of High Old Boys that's in the set. And then I do uh, um, Dear Mr. Fantasy, but I do it in, a, I have slightly different chords and it's in a minor key rather than a major key. So I, Melody is the same, but I've changed the chord structure of it. So I do things like that, bring some of that into the set. No, it's it's cool to do that. Sometimes some of the classic rock bands get a little lazy. They do the exact same version you've heard five tours in a row. And after a while, like, why am I going to see this again? Like, it's nice when people surprise you. And sometimes you also get older bands that have younger musicians. And so the younger musicians like, oh, you got to play this song, you know, and you pull it yeah. out. And I think it's right. interesting. And the, I think the I think that at this point, the fans that are coming, I'm assuming, are the real are the real fans of you that have been with you for so long. Yeah. That they'll they'll yeah, appreciate yeah, yeah. what you're doing. Yep. Yeah, yep. Yeah. Well, thank you. Thank you. You're Good welcome. Travel. I appreciate it. It was interesting. And I get to be envious of your Hawaii background. Yeah. <laughs> it was very quiet over here. It's great. It's <laughs> just hardly anybody on the beaches. And what can I say? It's Hawaii. It's beautiful. I mean, we're both very fortunate, my wife and I, that we, we, we have this place here and we're able to, that I can have this place to stay and sit until we can get back on the road, which got, you know, I don't know when that's going to be. I mean, right now we're scheduled to go back out in next April. Yeah. But we'll see. We'll see what happens. It could be next fall. It could be when, you know. Fingers crossed. Yes. <laughs> I need to go back to work, too, just like everybody else. <laughs> no, I understand. I, I can totally get it. Well, listen, stay healthy. Stay safe. Yes, I will. Thank you. Enjoy the weather. If you need to do any sacrifices, the volcano god, you know, let us know. Yeah. Anyway, we can help. Okay. <laughs> well, thank you, sir. You are welcome. Thank you. Have a good afternoon. Bye-bye. That wraps up this latest episode of Side Jams. Please join me for the next installment, which will feature visions of Atlanta singer Clementine de Launay. The tunes used in this episode are from Fox and the Law, and I licensed them through AudioSocket. As always, thank you very much for listening. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett.
Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any fantasy points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. 